Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, Fourth Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Our play-by-play call today. Offense didn't do much, but the Patriots' defense did. They split three receivers right, including the tight end Clay inside of Jones, inside of Holmes. Benjamin left, short side of the field with McCoy to the left of Anderson on third and ten. Dropping back and firing down the middle pass. Oh, is intercepted yeah. by Devin McCourty. Runs it left, 25-30. To the 40. Speeding past the 50. Oh, Spreading to the 40. A blocker in front at the 20. 15-10. Goodbye. Oh. Pick six. Devin McCourty. Touchdown, Patriots. Start the buses, baby. Let's get out of here. Okay, Scott. Oh, sorry. Scott Zolak, Bob Sochi with the primary play-by-play um, on the Patriots radio network last night. Uh, Golden Tate goes to the Philadelphia Eagles today, third-round pick. Uh, one thing you're seeing is you're seeing with the uh, trade deadline in 2012 being moved from week six to week eight, I think you're finding more and more teams now know exactly where they stand. And um, I think you're seeing more movement because everybody knows where they stand on week eight as opposed to week six. All right. Let's bring in Neil Kulong now. We'll never trade Neil away. Neil, welcome back. Great to have you with us. Yeah, it's uh, good to be here. It's certainly the... Uh... Um, it, it, almost kind of like a, a, a tax day for NFL writers. There's a lot of things that are going to change at the last minute that uh, <laughs> that might change up the things that you have to do. So it's uh, it's kind of crazy. All right. In 2012, they took the trade deadline, moved it from week six to week eight. Uh, what did that mean in terms of the ability to make a trade? Because at week six, you're still guessing how good you are. Yeah, I, I think moving it back was probably a, a good idea uh, for a couple different reasons. One, it coincides more with uh, the, the rule changes that they made regarding injured reserve. Um, that can change things up. And week eight is probably the first time, um, I, I, I think it is anyway, that a player can return to practice if they were put on injured reserve um, in, in the preseason. Well, they essentially after being put on the 53-man roster, uh, having to sit out eight weeks, it kind of gives them a sense of where that player might be at that point. Uh, do they need to make a move? Um, and it, ultimately, along with uh, the idea that recently um, as well, they made it legal to trade compensatory picks. I think the idea was really more, um, you, you might, I mean, it's the NFL. Things can change. You might be a contender in week six and not be a contender in week eight or vice versa. Um, or you know, it just it, it, salary comes into it as well. Now you only have to pay for half the season as opposed to a little bit more than half the season. I, I think it's the right move. It's probably the right time. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense after six weeks uh, just to say that, well, no more trades. You can't do anything else. A little bit more time, I think, is, is necessary for, um, for, for either side, buyers or sellers, 
to say that maybe we can get a good deal on this, maybe we can make a run. I mean, the, the, the move that Philadelphia made today, I think, is a great example of it. Uh, they come off a big win and, um, you know, obviously not off to the best start, but they they had a very valuable weapon. Um, they, they wouldn't have done that after six weeks, I'm sure. So it, it, uh, it with that, there's a lot of value. And that, by the way, trade is Golden Tate going uh, for a third-round pick to Philadelphia. Amari Cooper went for a one. I thought that was a bizarre trade. I think it, it, it's interesting in a couple of different ways. What I would mainly say is Amari Cooper for this season is cheap. Um, he's going to get expensive in a hurry, and I think that's really kind of where the value comes in uh, as far as Dallas goes. And plus, I think Dallas was probably leveraged a little bit more uh, than, than your average team would be. They can get him on the cheap now, and um, with with his option year coming up, you're looking at a total really of, if, if you want to look at it in these terms, basically two years um, for $14 million, seven years per that's that's a that's a pretty low price for for a higher end receiver. I'm not totally sold that Amari Cooper is is a, an elite level receiver uh, right now. Certainly not with the receivers that we're seeing across the league right now. I, he's definitely not quite at that level, but he's a developing player and he's one the Cowboys absolutely needed. So I think the Raiders probably got away with a little bit more than. Um, what the market would typically bear for that, but um, he's also a player I think that they could see fitting into their long-term plans as well. His numbers aren't such to say that he's going to demand, um, you know, a, 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 an Odell Beckham Jr. level contract. So maybe they can still get him kind of on the cheap. And it's a position they're barely spending any money on at all. You know, if from from a budgetary perspective, teams often do that. They they want to spend. Uh, X amount of dollars per position, and they don't want to be above that. They don't want to be below that. So they want to find a player who's worth, um, you know, paying for that spot. That that's kind of how they they, uh, you know, want to balance out their team. And I think Cooper can give them that. So to give up a first round pick in a lot of ways is kind of saying we're, we'll pay for it up front for you know the, the player that we wouldn't have otherwise drafted. Uh, who we, who we would have gotten on the cheap? Uh, we really need this right now. I mean, we can go back and forth on it. it. It's definitely an odd deal, and it will be the oddest deal of of this trade deadline. That that's pretty much a guarantee. All right, the Steelers. Some things have fallen into place for them, albeit Cleveland, which then fired everybody, including the ball boy. Uh, so, what? Uh, how well are the Steelers playing right now, in your estimation? I, I thought the Steelers played a really good, solid, all-around game yesterday. And yeah. What I mean by that is they usually do the second time they play the Browns. So that's why the Browns usually fire their coach after they play the Steelers yes. the second time. Um, I, I used to joke about that back in, in 2013. I remember um, when Rod Rob Chizinski, uh was their coach, the Week 17 game, uh, the Steelers had to win that and get a, a slew of other tiebreakers in order to get to the playoffs. The day seemed kind of bleak going into it, but it was kind of like, well, this is the last day of football. We'll watch it. It'll be fun. Um, it, it, you watched the Browns play that day. It was absolutely pathetic. I'm not sure I've, I've seen an NFL team play with less effort and less intensity as they did in that game. And I, I, I'm convinced the Steelers let up. I think the Steelers could have injured them if they played hard. Uh, they really didn't, and I, I joked at halftime saying Chizinski either got fired before the game or he just got fired at halftime. Either way, these these guys are not invested in this game at all. I mean, as it turns out, 
Um, apparently word got out the night before the game that he was going to be fired after the game, win, lose, or draw, and everybody knew it, and they played like it. Um, I I saw a lot of uh, similarities from that from the Browns in the second half. The first half, I thought they played pretty well. I thought defensively they did a good job. Um, Greg Williams loves to to play his safeties way off the line, try to take away the big play. Um, as much as they can, uh, they, they had a mental gaffe that Antonio Brown exploited for for a big touchdown. Uh, but the Steelers ran all over them in the second half. I mean that that was just embarrassing for Cleveland. And, and with that, I thought um, the, the the Steelers won the game in a way that we've often seen them win it. They're going to make a couple big plays, but the offensive line is going to take over in the second half, and they're going to impose their will. Uh, on their opponent, and that's exactly what they did. James Conner was unstoppable in the second half, and, and to be honest, um, it, it, he will be rightfully the AFC Offensive Player of the Week, but you've got to put that on the offensive line. They were destroying people at the end, and this this isn't even their starting five. got to keep that in mind, something we haven't really even talked about. They, they've got a lot of injuries up front uh, for the Steelers, and, and the guys filling in have done a great job. Um, you you really have to wonder what you know the, the real limit of this team is. If you do in fact get Le'Veon Bell back, and you get that offensive line healthy, and you're you're able to continue to stay aggressive defensively, which is to say keep Artie Burns as far away from the field as possible, mm. you you really might have a chance uh, to to you know take a bad start and and finish well and and take it deep into the playoffs. Okay, and now of course then there's the Bell situation. Uh, does November thirteenth in your gut feel look like it's now the day he's going to show? I'm, I'm not trusting my gut anymore. I, I, I'm really not. Nothing logically about this, um, from my perspective, makes any sense. Right. The last bastion of hope that I had is um, he shows up at 4:01 p.m. today after the trade deadline to guarantee that he can't be traded. Um, while I don't necessarily think you know a team would be interested in Bell if he hasn't even played and he's halfway through the season already making the money that he's making, I'm not sure the Steelers would be interested in trading him anyway. Um, now, him not showing up literally is just him just deciding he doesn't want to play, he doesn't want to make money this year, he's just going to take the year off. I, for the life of me, don't understand how that bat is going to help his free agency value. All he's doing is loading up every other team in the league saying, we haven't seen you play in a year. Why are we going to give you more guaranteed money than Todd Gurley, who right now is an MVP candidate, David Johnson, who's working his way back from an injury on a terrible team. Why are we giving you more guaranteed money? You didn't even play last year. It doesn't make any sense to me at all that 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 would be their strategy. Um, If it is, I guess it wouldn't surprise me anymore because I I really can't explain what he's doing, why he's doing it, but there's clearly a, a, a larger agenda at work here. He can still make a lot of money, and the idea of Le'Veon Bell being part of a, a, a very dangerous backfield in a very dangerous offense, I would think, uh, from a profitability standpoint, is something that he would want. He can very easily say, look at the things that I did within this offense. Look what happened when I showed back up to this team. Um, look at what we were able to do. James Conner, he's a great guy. He's a great friend. I'm really happy for him. Look at everything that we did together. This is what I can bring to your team. I, to me, that's a pretty nice sales point. 
um, I, you know, I'm not in sales, but I, I, I wouldn't think I didn't play last year. Give me 40 million guaranteed would, would play all that well with most teams. What about the locker room? And look, I know everybody, you know, wants somebody to get money because that I think everyone feels it opens more money in the market for everybody when it happens. All right. That part I've got, but you know, you go to football war, how many weeks, including the preseason, and this guy just won't show up for you. What does that do to a locker room where suddenly he just walks in, waltzes in? I think we heard that at the beginning of the year. And as frank as uh, the Steelers' offensive linemen in particular were about it, um, to me, it, it never felt like we are against Le'Veon Bell getting paid money. We, we don't want him to make money. It, it really felt to me like they were led to believe that he would show up with the rest of his teammates after camp and he would get out there on the field with everybody else. Uh, the fact that he's not doing that now, well, he's not even being paid. So, uh, you know, you, you kind of can't argue against um, – you can't argue against the situation financially because he's not making a dime right now. And in fact, the Steelers are getting the money back on their salary cap which they'll roll over into next year. So if anything, uh, the, the players to some degree can be happy because there's more money for them right. uh, to make in, in terms of an extension next season. Um, their issue, understandably, is they're the ones going out there wanting to win a championship. And Le'Veon Bell is a big part of that. They know that he's a big part of that. Uh, I, I think they've learned um, after a couple weeks how to, to be able to succeed without him. But I, I really can't help but imagine at this point now they're going to you know speak the company line. They're not going to talk about it. And if they are, it'll be great to get them back out here. Blah blah blah. James is great, but I, I can't help but think how excited they would be w- with the prospect of packages that they could put out there with James Conner and Le'Veon Bell on the field at the same time. I, I think that would be incredible. Um, you don't have to get Justin Hunter on the field anymore. You, you could use Bell in the backfield shift into the slot if you want to you can run power out of that you can run traps out of that that's going to be a really really hard offense to defend and I I, for me I think right now that's the way the Steelers uh, offensive line in particular but I I think the team would look at it that way Um, what's been done has been done I think it's you know for them now it's uh, it's second half of the season it's time to start getting ready for the playoffs it's like they acquired a player today at the trade deadline that's about yeah, how they exactly look at it. it. Yeah, that's how if, they look if, at if it. If he does sign today, they just sign the best available sure. uh, uh, free agent in the NFL. Right. How do you view the matchup with Baltimore? Um, it, you know, Baltimore is a team. Um, it, it's it's interesting how oddly consistently inconsistent they are. Um, you, you could you could bet your house after a big home win if they go on the road the next week. They may or may not win the game, but they're not going to play very well. Um, watching that Carolina game back, Carolina absolutely destroyed them in every single aspect of the game. They coached, they got out-muscled, um, they got out-executed. Carolina's a good football team, don't get me wrong. They, they yeah. play particularly well at home, but more, they're, they're so up and down. You just don't know what you're going to get. I, I got a big laugh. I remember when... when uh, uh, after they beat Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago, it was like um, John Harbaugh was spoon-fed a question, something to the effect of, do, do, 
do you see similarities between this team and the 2000 Ravens? And it was like mm-hmm. Harbaugh was prepared to answer it. Um, in a lot of ways, yes. The defense is doing this and doing that. It's like, okay, it's, it's, it's early in the season. Let's, let's wait and see if you guys are capable of winning a few games in a row in a similar fashion before we start talking about it. Uh, and, and, and we're seeing that now. The reality is, though, what worries me is the Ravens' backs are against the wall. Um, four and five in this division. Um, and what, what's turning out to be, I don't think what anybody expected, is uh, a much more competitive AFC than NFC. Those wild card spots are not going to be easy to get. And if they drop another game uh, within the division, they drop one to the Steelers, the Steelers go up by as much as they have. Um, Cincinnati is the team that, that Baltimore struggles to beat. Uh, they're in real trouble if they lose this game. And you got to think for, for Harbaugh's perspective, his job is in trouble if they don't make the playoffs. So um, I, I have a tough time thinking that Baltimore is not going to really kind of be backs against the wall, throw everything out, um, and, and give the Steelers fits the way that they often do when they're in Baltimore. So I, I, I don't know. I think it's going to be a tough game and, and, uh, uh, it, it, it'll be a tough one to pick. I, I think that you know probably the odds makers will wait and see if, if Le'Veon Bell does show up this week. But it'll be a battle. Pittsburgh's mm-hmm. playing really well right now. Um, yeah. Their offensive line in particular, and I, I, I think the Ravens are beatable. Um, they just they, uh, they they have a way of crawling themselves to that eight and eight, nine and seven level. I, I think they're still capable of doing that. As always, my friend. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for having me. Neil Kulong, USA Today. Uh, Maryland's retaining DJ Durkin. And uh, Urban Meyer goes into more detail about the pain he has in his head from the cyst. Uh, he talked to the media about that today. We'll tell you more about that in a moment on News Radio 1070 WKOK. All right, so D.J. Durkin is going to be retained at Maryland. The athletic director is being retained at Maryland. Uh, And the president is resigning as of June 30th. See, I'm trying to think. Um, I believe the president was probably the furthest away from the situation at the time, but he's resigning. Evidently, he he wanted to... um, he argued, I guess, with with everyone about um, whether he should be retained or not. The board wanted to retain Durkin. Okay. Okay. Um, the Urban Meyer story, which is very interesting, because I mean, I, I think we know about. I, I think all of you know about the Sisties had right. In his head, he's had surgery for it, and obviously, it's something that is lifelong and evidently is incurable. So, he was very vague yesterday in his press conference about returning and so forth, and he mumbled the word "yes" about coming back to Ohio State. Well, today he brought some reporters into the uh, into his office, invited them in. Austin Ward of Letterman Row, Tim May, uh, Bill Rabinowitz from the uh, Columbus Dispatch, and uh, Doug Lamaris uh, from the Cleveland Plain Dealer brought them in. And he, he talked about several things. Um, 
Meyer said several things became clear through the course of the conversation, which Meyer did not want to overplay or underplay what's happening. Number one, his condition is serious. Number two, he has managed his health since the 2014 surgery, and these days that includes daily medication. All right. Uh, As with any medical condition, the issue with the cyst is incurable and progressive. It has been managed by medication and that surgery, and Meyer may at some point have to have other treatment options to consider. Number four, he says Ohio State's his dream job, and he has no desire to leave it. He says, I'm fully committed to Ohio State and the football program for as long as I can. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motor Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, great to have you with us today. Brought to you by good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia, Routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. DJ Durkin is going to be retained as the head football coach at Maryland. He is back at practice as we speak right now. He will be coaching the game on the sideline Saturday against Michigan State. Evidently, whatever presentation he gave or answers he gave to the board were more than satisfactory for them to retain him. It doesn't mean it is not without problems uh, because retaining him, okay, leads to stability with the football program. Okay. Did he do anything deeply wrong? Their conclusion is their conclusion is obviously no, they didn't do enough to lose his job. Okay. But here's the issue. The issue is perception. And the perception is there is, and it, it's not in the Maryland report, but it's in other reporting of a, quote, toxic culture in the Maryland football program. Well, who happens to be the head of the Maryland football program? D.J. Durkin. He also cannot legitimately go into a kitchen or a living room, sit down, and look at parents, grandparents, aunts, and uncles in the eyes and say, look, I'll take care of your son. He can't do that. He doesn't have the credibility to do that. It's going to be an issue moving forward. Urban Meyer, uh, really odd press conference yesterday in which he mumbled that he wanted, uh, that he was going to stay at Ohio State to the point where you listen to it, it's like really non-committal. So I think he thought after that press conference, he felt he needed to do something about it. So he brought in Austin Ward of LettermanRow.com, Tim May, Bill Rabinowitz from the Columbus Dispatch, and Doug Lamercy's of the uh, Cleveland Plain Dealer to sit down with him and talk about his condition. Uh, for those who don't know, and, and look, when this came up, before we talked about it in August, it came up again. This is not something that you know. At least in this chair, I I've known about it, about the fact that he's always had this cyst in his head. He had surgery for it in 2014. Okay, now it's relieved some of the pain, but not all of it. He says several things became clear during the course of the conversation with the reporters. They and the, and Doug wrote that. Meyer did not want to overplay or underplay what is happening with him. He says, number one, the the condition is serious. Number two, he has managed his health since that 2014 surgery. 
He said in these days he has to take daily medication. The issue with the cyst is incurable and progressive. It has been managed by medication. The 2014 surgery was a big help. But Myers does admit to the reporters that at some point, other treatment options need to be considered. He did say Ohio State was his dream job. He has no desire to leave it. Says he's fully committed to Ohio State and the football program for as long as I can. That's the key, though. How long? Because remember... There's also quality of life here that comes into play. Um, He's a husband. He's a father of three. He's the grandfather of one, and there's another grandchild on the way. So what is the quality of his life beyond his coaching days? He says he's had the cyst in his head his entire life. Uh, If the 2014 surgery to remove fluid and reduce pressure in his brain followed most procedures um, for the cyst, he had two holes drilled in his head. Since since that moment, uh, but since that moment, he has coached and he's won, and so he's been able to prove that he can live with it, and he can function at a high level with it. But he also admits that every day can be different, and that no one knows what's coming next. Uh, but he said he wanted to get the facts out. That I appreciate. He says, yes, it is a serious medical condition. Yes, he is coached with it. Yes, he wants to continue to coach. He says he does have regular headaches. He says the symptoms worsen in singular moments of aggravation. He said that could be at home. It could be at practice. It could be on the sideline during games. It is not the general stress of coaching college football that's the issue, but it's the moments of intense anxiety that have been part of Meyer's coaching style since he started. Um. Now he says, "Look, he admits that when you see him anguished on the sideline, that that's his personality uh, along the way. Believe me, see, he does admit that. So that's the update on Urban Meyer. Uh, he said, "Look, he said I put my life into this job. I love Ohio State. I grew up a Buckeye. I'm 100 committed to Ohio State and putting our players in the best position to win games and doing right by Ohio State." Okay. So right now he's still on the sideline. The question is, I mean, he's going to have to make a decision at some point, and it's a quality of life decision. Now, I don't know if there's anything else that can be done to alleviate this. That I don't know. I barely know my job. I mean, somebody at Geisinger who's an expert on this can probably tell us. But it obviously is some... It's incurable. Let's start with that. And he's already had fluid removed once. Uh, So that's hard. I mean, awfully, awfully tough. I mean, I mean, I think he felt he had to do something because in the press conference yesterday, his answers were kind of, sort of, and were parsing words. And I think he realized after that press conference, uh, I better do something here. So he brought in four people that have some clout in the media and brought them into his office and sat down with them.
It just makes you wonder if Urban will be taking this proactive approach on his health. If that scare did not happen to him over what close to a decade ago in Florida when he had the uh, issues with his heart there at a very yeah. at quite the young age there. Look, I know. Look, yeah. I you know obviously he thinks the world of his family, his daughters, you know, grandchild, another one on the way. Hey, I know how he feels. When you know. Uh, in terms of, you know, being around the grandchildren. So, I mean, that's it's part of it. I mean, this has been a hard year because obviously with Zach Smith, look, let, let's fairly admit it, he didn't make, he did not make good decisions with Zach Smith. He just didn't. Um, and... <laughs> When it's somebody you're close to and been around for a long time, look, you're the possibility of making bad decisions happens because you have that, you know, that emote. You can't make those decisions emotionless. Uh, Scott Weibel, lifelong Penn State football fan, but have been a professor at Maryland since 2011. The UMD Board of Regents announcement today is both stunning and sadly predictable. Uh, let's see if I can get more of this here. I'm sorry, Scott. It gets cut off because it's on Facebook. On my phone it does. Naturally, of course, this will take two hours to load up. So, Scott, I apologize. I started your comment and then didn't get through it. Let's see. Let's try this here. Uh, I want to get his perspective. There we go. Uh, 30 minutes ago. Okay. Um, Sorry, Scott. It's still loading up. Just the way it is. I have it on mine if you want me to grab it. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, no, I mean, I... I'll let it load up here because I, I you know, read his response. I think it's the best way to do it because obviously he's going to have a better, closer perspective than I'm going to have about it. And I appreciate the fact that Scott took the time to write the uh, Facebook comment. Oh, here we go. Uh, I'll be taking my eight-year-old son to the game. Let's see. Wait hold on a second here. Do, 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 do. Scott, I'm sorry. There we go. I found it. My apologies. Other, I was looking at a couple of the Facebook posts. By the way, we, we did catch some uh, numerous uh, reports. Our, our friend Adam Rittenberg from ESPN, a friend of the show, also uh, found a report from The Athletic. Uh, multiple players left the room uh, during DJ Durkin's meeting with, uh, with the players this afternoon before going out onto the practice field. Wow. Uh, Scott, Scott Weibel writes this. I think that uh, I want to read all of it here. Uh, it's, it's Steve. I'm a lifelong Penn State football fan, but I've been a professor at the University of Maryland since 2011. The UMD Board of Regents announcement today is both stunning and sadly predictable. Stunning yet sadly predictable developments at UMD. The Board of Regents retains the athletic director and football coach, the same football coach whom several players, players, parents, and former staff reportedly accused of creating a, in, in a talus, toxic culture. 
but forces the president to resign at the end of the academic year because he expresses reservations about keeping the head coach in place. Here's the key passage from the Baltimore Sun's reporting. The board decided their first priority was to return Durkin to the sidelines, according to a source with knowledge of the situation. He has been on administrative leave since August. Wallace Lowe expressed deep reservations about this. He's the president. They made it clear either he could put Durkin back on the field or they would act to replace him with someone who would, the source said. Lowe will announce that he will be leaving effective in June, the source said, at the insistence of the board. Lowe was the only person anticipated to leave College Park at this time. I mean, that, I mean, in which I pointed out, the athletic director and the co okay, who would have the most, uh, the closest supervisory role of Rick Court? It is obviously DJ Durkin. Right. Obviously, is DJ Durkin. Yet he keeps his job. Who would ha- who would be the least of the three guys? The athletic director, head football coach, and the university president. Who would be the le- have the least contact on the day in and day out workings of the strength and conditioning coach? The university president. Yet he's the one that was told, you're not staying unless you do this. And he ends up retiring June 30th next year. Everybody else stays in place. Honestly, Sean, that's bizarre. Again, and by the way, uh, I'll make Roger happy here. Ha Ha Clinton Dix was acquired by the Redskins today. Um, I want to make sure I got that in. His contract's up. And even though he's been starting every game for the Packers, uh, they were worried about him leaving as a free agent, so they traded him. Um, but you look at the Maryland situation. The person that would have, without question, the closest supervisory role for Rick Court is D.J. Durkin. He survives. Who would be next in terms of a supervisory role over Rick Court? The athletic director, Damon Evans. He kept his job. Who would be the furthest removed from the situation and may not have even met Rick Court in his life? And that is the president, Wallace Lowe. He's, he's retiring next year. This is really a bizarre, in my opinion, way to go about their business. You had two choices to make. One, an extremely easy choice, but then they choose the one that's going to make moving forward so difficult and so complex be the right word yeah and again I go back to who had the closest relationship and a supervisory role directly over Rick Court DJ Durkin kept his job who'd be next on that list Uh, the athletic director kept his job who would be the furthest removed 
and is and is trying to deal with things such as the budget and other things like that for the overall university, and he's the one that's out. Huh? I mean, that's the... I don't see... I don't see how this uh, how this was resolved in this particular way. He and not only that, but Sean. All right, let's just take it from a football point of view. He can't recruit. I mean, he can't sit in a living room or a dining room or around the breakfast table. And say, I will take care of your son without having somebody raise an eyebrow. To be a fly on the wall in that room with the Board of Regents, just to wonder how many in that group really came out and stood up and had DJ Durkin's back saying, we've got to give this guy another chance. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I mean, who led that charge? And how many then had the backing of that member of the Board of Regents. Yeah, you're right. What are we thinking? We got to give this guy another shot. He's 10 and 15 in two full seasons. He's 5 and 13 in Big 10 play. He hasn't had a fair shake on the field or off the field. <laughs> it's startling. It's and there's a lot of people who probably think this decision is absolutely flat out disgraceful. I don't and there may even be other people out there saying, man, why was even Maryland led into the Big Ten in the first place? But we know that. We know that reason why. We know, you know, Jim Delaney's mission for that. But boy. But now you wonder with the door closed with Jim Delaney thinking, boy, why did we let them in the conference in the first place? Well, Had we what? known this was happening or was going to happen. But, you know, that's a lot of foresight, though. You really can't predict. You can't predict that. I don't know. But these are topics and bullet points maybe with, you know, guys having a pop at the bar tonight after work being, man, how's this guy still have a job? And the big red flag for me was the amount of money that Rick Court got to walk away in the settlement. Well, I mean, you know man, what? Man, oh, man. But you know what? That the, But to be honest with you, that's, in, in, that's standard corporate practice. Look, throw some money at him. Let's just get rid of him. Okay, so let's eliminate the problem. Now, so all they did was buy his contract out. Now that prevents a protracted court issue, which then probably has a chance to make it worse. Because uh, the last thing Maryland would need to have Rick Court come back and say, "Ah, uh, uh, nook nook, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm due this money." Yeah. All right. It's, I mean, so the, look, it's it's one of those that where I think they just hey, what's the buyout? We need to get rid of the problem. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, you know, I think that's that's standard corporate practice. So Adams reporting that uh, several players walked out. That is correct. Ooh, wonder which ones. As to the exact number and which ones, that I don't know. Don't know if there's any if they are all starting players or, you know. No specifics on that. Also, that word was uh, also shared by uh, one of the college football reporters from The Athletic. 
Wow. All right, we'll take a break. We'll wrap it up in a moment here on uh, News Radio 1070 WKOK. When it comes to car buying, there's the other guy's way, and then there's the SMC way. The other guys force you into a vehicle you really don't want. The Subway Motors way lets you take the time you need to browse, ask questions, and take the test drive and think on it. For over 100 years, the Merth family and all their employees have made your experience the most pleasant one you'll ever have. The other guys won't offer you the best price for your trade, no matter how much they say they will. The SMC way is their promise to provide you with the most money the market shows your vehicle is worth. The SMC way is to offer you all applicable factory rebates on new vehicles and generous discounts. Looking for a pre-owned vehicle? The SMC Way checks each vehicle in a 200-mile radius to determine the lowest price, then beat it. It's the lowest price promise, just part of the SMC Way. The choice is up to you. The other guy's way or the SMC Way? The SMC Way wins every time. Sunbury Motors Company in the North 4th Street Auto Plaza, Sunbury, and at sunburymotors.com. Selling more cars and satisfying more customers for over 100 years. Okay, um, look, I don't advocate for anybody losing their job. You know that. I've never been that kind of person, announcer, whatever. Um, this one really baffles me, though. I, you know, I have no idea what the size of the guy's ba- buyout is. Whatever. I, I, I don't know any the business part of it with him. Um, but Maryland is keeping D.J. Durkin as the football coach. And I believe, uh, according to what you say, Sean, that when I guess he went to address, uh, did he address the team or did Matt Cannon address the team? I thought I heard that uh, DJ Durkin uh, addressed the team. Whether that happened before the press conference or before he went out to the practice facility, but uh, but yeah, he was definitely uh, with the team this afternoon and multiple players walked out again I don't advocate for anybody losing their job but there's also a point in time where you as a leader have to look at somebody and realize that their ability to lead has been tremendously diminished yeah be curious to find out who walked out if they were one of the you know if they were closest friends to Jordan McNair Yeah, I don't know. All I know is this. His ability to lead has been greatly, greatly diminished. His credibility in that room with his players, the credibility with recruits, the credibility with parents, right now his credibility needs to be repaired, and it won't be at Maryland. You're listening to News Radio 1070 WKOK Sunbury. You can hear us anywhere in the world with the Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation app.